Hello, everyone, and welcome to the AWS podcast. Simon Leisha here in Melbourne, Australia. Thanks so much for listening. Good to have you. So lots to cover today, lots of updates, a kind of a random assortment to keep you up to date. But first, I wanted to talk about uh, a bit of a thing that we've got running, a challenge, I might say, that's running at the moment that might be of interest to you. Uh, we have the fourth City on a Cloud Innovation Challenge that is running. Now, this is a global program recognising how local and regional governments are innovating on behalf of their citizens around the globe. Winners will receive up to $50,000 in AWS promotional credits to help achieve their mission with the cloud. Now, new to the competition this year, we're opening it up to school districts who are using the cloud to enrich learning, help teachers reach more students, and improve school or district operations. So government and school districts can now compete in three award categories. The first is best practices, and this recognizes governments and school districts leveraging the AWS cloud to implement a program or service on behalf of their citizens or students. Partners in Innovation, which recognizes technology partners implementing a program or service on behalf of a government or school district. And of course, Dream Big. And this award category provides cloud credits to help governments and school districts implement big ideas through technologies. You can learn way more about this at the uh, special page, which is aws.amazon.com forward slash, I should say, state and local forward slash city on a cloud. The link will be in the show notes. And you can apply today. The nomination takes about five minutes and the challenge entries close on Friday, May the 12th. So got to be in it to win it. So put your nomination in. Now, what's been happening? Uh, many of you would have used Amazon Aurora. Amazon Aurora is a fantastic uh, RDS-type database that allows you to get up and running very quickly and does some amazingly sophisticated things on the storage layer to give you fantastic performance and scalability. Now, this is great when you're going big, but what about when you're small and you want to do some experimentation, do some dev test, etc.? Well, uh, I'm really happy to announce that you can now launch T2 small instances when using Amazon Aurora. Now, to give you some context, the on-demand pricing for T2 small is about half of that of the T2 medium instance type, which was the previous smaller size instance type available. So this could be a really cost-effective option for dev test environments and light production workloads. And if you want to run it up on a bigger scale, that's when you jump into the R3 class instances to really go large scale production deployment. So this new change, so the support of T2 small and also T2 medium, uh, is available in all AWS regions where Aurora is available, which is pretty nice. Another small but interesting update is the ability to have notifications for new Amazon ECS optimized AMI releases. Now, with that small sentence, I said a great deal. So let's just step back. So ECS is the EC2 container service, which allows you to run containers on EC2 in an organized and orchestrated fashion, has heaps of functionality like the ability to lay out the containers, uh, do um, performance management of those containers, uh, intelligent resource allocation, a whole bunch of really interesting things. Now, these containers run on ECS-optimized AMIs, so Amazon Machine Images. Now, in the past, if you wanted to make sure you had the latest version, you had to go check. Um, it's kind of not optimal. So now you can get an Amazon SNS notification whenever a new release is available. This gives you the ability to know via email, SMS message, or even an automated process using AWS Lambda that there is a new optimized AMI available, which would include fixes, feature updates, etc. So it's good to be on the cutting edge, so now you can get that automatically which is pretty nice. Now, another new thing that's available in more regions is AWS Code Build. 
Now, CodeBuild is a fully managed build service that compiles source code, runs tests, and produces software packages that are ready to deploy. Now, the nice thing here is you don't need to provision, manage, or scale your own build servers, which are often a huge amount of undifferentiated heavy lifting that people have to do. Um, this just scales continuously and can process multiple builds concurrently, so you have as much build capacity as you need when you need it. And when you're not using it, of course, you're not paying for it, which is pretty nice. Now, AWS Code Build is, net code build is now available in the Asia, Tokyo, and Singapore regions, the EU Frankfurt regions, and the Australia Sydney regions. Now, I want to sort of take a diversion here and talk about region expansion. We often release services in particular regions and then they uh, reach other regions at different times. It can be... Uh, um, something you want to keep track of to understand when a particular service is in your region. So there is a region table that is constantly updated to give you the latest and greatest information about where services might be. I'm going to give you the link in the show notes because it's really, really long, um, but it's uh, easy to get to. It's basically regional product and services mapping and basically lets you look at different tabs and you get these little green check marks next to the particular region that you're in um, versus the particular service that you're looking for. As divided up into the Americas, Europe, Middle East, and Africa, and Asia-Pacific, which is really nice. So region expansion is an interesting thing and an important thing to keep track of. And while I'm speaking of region expansion, I should mention that we've announced that a new AWS region will be coming to the Nordics. Uh, it's very exciting to say that the new AWS EU Stockholm region will be uh, coming uh, available to customers in 2018. It will have three availability zones and will have a selection of AWS services available to customers in those in that area, which is very excited, exciting for our European customers and gives you lots of options in terms of where you locate your workloads in that particular region. And another region expansion one, I'm on a bit of a roll here, is the Amazon Elastic File System, or EFS, is available in the Asia-Pacific Sydney region now, of course, close to home, so I thought I'd mention it because I know a lot of customers in Australia have been waiting for this. Amazon EFS, of course, provides a simple, scalable file storage for use with Amazon EC2 instances in the AWS cloud. It's easy to use, and it gives you a very simple interface to create and configure file systems quickly and easily. The storage capacity is elastic. It grows and shrinks automatically as you add and remove files. And you also have a lot of uh, control over the performance capabilities and characteristics of the file systems as well. It's really useful for a wide variety of different applications. Big data analytics, media processing, content managing, web serving, home directories is a very common one. Um, very typical approach. Also, you can access your Amazon EFS file systems directly from your on-premises servers over AWS Direct Connect as well. So this can help you migrate some data sets to EFS into AWS and allow you to augment your processing. So Amazon EFS is also available in US East, North Virginia, US East Ohio, US East Oregon, and EU Island as well. And now, of course, as I mentioned, Asia Pacific Sydney. One of the approaches to design that I'm a big fan of is the use of in-memory storage. This could be called caching, uh, many other ways to describe it, but essentially it's a method of using RAM in servers to improve performance. Now, I know a lot of people are kind of unfamiliar with this, and that's why I like talking about it a lot, because it really gives you some different options in how you deploy and develop systems. And typically, it's most commonly deployed between your application code and your database, and it can often lead to dramatic speed improvements for database access, in particular, read-heavy workloads, but it applies to a wide variety of workload types. Now, we have a service called Amazon Elasticache, 
and it makes it easy to implement this in-memory storage layer using either Memcached or Redis. And one of the changes to this particular service recently is the ability to now backup and restore Elasticache Redis clusters. And this is a really powerful performance capability because with many caches, obviously they work well when there's data in the cache. And when you start a cache from scratch, it's what we would call a cold cache. Now, a cold cache means that anytime we're reading something from the cache, it's not there. So you have to go back to the origin, which is typically some database or a data store load the cache and then return the result. So it's our, if you like, our worst case scenario. Of course, subsequent calls to the cache are lightning fast because they're in memory very quick. There's no disk access. There's no database access. It's typically some sort of um, key value pair type experience. Now, one of the benefits with this new backup and restore capability is you can do what's called a warm start of your cache cluster. This means that you can load in particular state of the cluster when it starts so you don't have to pre-warm that cache. This means you immediately start getting results out of the cache without having that worst case scenario happen, which is really, really nice. The other thing you can do is you can create multiple Elasticache for Redis clusters from a single snapshot. So you can do this if you want to load up multiple instances, if you want to do some sort of um, testing work, some sort of other experimentation as well. Very, very powerful. Now, the good news is this new feature is available in all regions where Elasticache is currently available, and you can create a snapshot from any Elasticache instance type with the exception of the T1 micro, just a little bit too small there, but all the other ones work just fine. The nice thing is, is that you get enough storage space for one snapshot free of charge for each active Elasticache for Redis cluster, and storage for additional snapshots is at a very low per gig per month price. Now, a little technical point just to keep in mind, for performance, we always recommend you take the snapshot on a read replica, it's kind of like backing up a database, instead of your master cache node. And this is because it uses the Redis BGSave operation. And BGSave has some strengths and some limitations around performance. In particular, it does a fork into a parent and child process. The parent continues to handle requests while the child writes a snapshot to disk. This can mean that the cache node is doing more work. There can be some swapping, some performance degradation, etc., which is clearly something you don't want to happen on your primary node. So doing it on a read replica is a great strategy. Lots more you can read into that. Links in the show notes. But this is a really handy feature to make sure you have a nice, warm, toasty cache to start with. I finally wanted to give you a little update on AWS Device Farm. Now, of course, AWS Device Farm is a fantastic capability to test your mobile applications, be they Android or iOS, on a huge variety of hardware that you probably don't have access to yourself with multiple versions of the different operating systems, etc. Uh, we've now included Appium 1.6.3 support in Device Farm, which helps you take some advantages of uh, some of the capabilities of that particular tool, including support for iOS 10, um, as well as the elimination of the pre-launch mode. If you're using this tool, that will mean something to you. If you're not using that tool, that will mean very little to you. All you need to know is that some things have changed and they've changed for the better, so you can take advantage of those. So a whole bunch of different things to keep you up to date with. Hopefully that helped. As ever, we love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com. Please do tell others about the podcast because people like it when they find out about it. And of course, as always, keep on building.